and welcome to another special edition of Business Line podcast. Uh, my name is T R Vivek. Today I have with me a very special guest on BL podcast. This is uh, Somshekar Vemuri from Crystal. Today Crystal presented their ratings roundup for the second half of fiscal year 2021. Mr. Vemuri has been with Crystal since uh, 2002, and uh, he's responsible for criterion product development for Crystal's rating business. His key responsibilities include formulating ratings criteria and policies ensuring quality and consistency of ratings and holding interactions with investors and regulators. How are you, Mr. Vemuri? Yeah, hi. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Vemuri, what are the key takeaways uh, from your ratings uh, roundup for the second half of uh, FY21? Let's start with uh, the macro GDP numbers. Uh, There seems to be quite a bit of uh, cautious optimism on that count. Um, can you tell us about your view on, on, on GDP growth in FY22? Sure, Vivek. Uh, so, uh, compared to the very sharp decline that we have seen uh, of almost 24% in the Q1, what we have started seeing is Q2 was relatively much lower. And in Q3 of fiscal 2021, we actually saw the GDP rebounded into uh, positive territory at 0.4%. And this was uh, clearly driven by sharp increase in demand following the unlocking measures uh, taken by the government. And also the spending that was focused on uh, infrastructure primarily from the government side. Uh, We have seen that uh, manufacturing GDP saw the sharpest drop earlier, uh, but also was very quick to bounce back. Whereas the services component is something which was uh, lacking behind uh, given that uh, there were quite a few uh, segments, uh, travel, hospitality, and other services, which involved human contact, and for mm-hmm. obvious reasons, uh, were, were much uh, slower. Agri, on the other side, has been steady and has uh, been positive, uh, backed by yet another uh, good year of monsoon. So uh, we expect an 8% kind of a contraction uh, for fiscal 2021. Uh, but uh, next year, clearly, we are expecting a much stronger 11% kind of a growth uh, in fiscal 2022. Basically, okay. sus- sustenance of the demand recovery, uh, another normal monsoon, and the growth-focused budget are the critical uh, support factors behind our uh, call on the economic growth at about 11% for this fiscal 2022. Okay. Okay. So in your credit roundup, uh, the other highlight was, you know, uh, you, you pointed at a uh, credit ratings, uh, the crystal credit ratio uh, scaled to 1.33, which is a significant improvement uh, over the decadal low of 0.54 in the previous half. Uh, could you, could you uh, talk to us about that and uh, the significance of uh, the credit ratio uh, scaling up to 1.33? Sure. Uh, So, uh, when uh, we look at the rating action trends in our portfolio, we have an active portfolio of almost 8,000 rated companies that we uh, continuously keep on monitoring and uh, undertaking rating actions on. And and on such a large base, you know, an an analysis of what the rating actions have been uh, would provide a very good perspective in terms of uh, what uh, probably is happening uh, in terms of the broader uh, trends in the economy. Uh, And we use a ratio called credit ratio, which is nothing but the ratio of upgrades to downgrades. So, for example, if this credit ratio is more than one, it basically means there are more upgrades than uh, downgrades and indicates that uh, at a generic level, uh, there is a more uh, buoyancy in terms of the credit quality trends. Uh, Whereas uh, if this credit ratio is less than one, 
then it basically means that the downgrades are much more than the rating upgrades and indicates that the credit quality seems to be under pressure okay. so when we this broadly correlates reasonably well with the you know overall economic uh, uh, trends over a longer time frame when we kind of look at it and uh, if you look at the first half of the fiscal 2021 uh, we saw that the credit ratio printed at what 0.54 mm-hmm. this basically means that for every 100 only 54 uh, so clearly given the uh, pressures uh, that we saw the the lo- lockdown and the disruption it caused in the you know business activity and the cash flows was one of the primary reasons why uh, you know we saw uh, this down so sharply uh, it could have been even sharper but for the fact regulatory support which came in the form of uh, loan moratorium etc which provided a temporary relief to uh, the corporates okay uh, when we uh, came to the second half uh, you know uh, our, our we were the of uh, return back to normalization uh, mm-hmm. however i think what has uh, uh, by surprise uh, is the pace and the uh, and the ex- normalization has been much faster than what we had uh, uh, anticipated uh, at the beginning of the second half uh, and what- Uh, i think uh, clearly uh, the covid and how it moves and how uh, the unlock measures which have been uh, the impact of that whether actually the, the activity levels will kind of come back to normalcy those were some aspects on which we were uh, still not at that uh, point of time while we did expect some degree of normalization it was much much sharper i mean uh, that's what that's the way uh, i would kind of uh, put it uh, also what what uh, happened uh, was that uh, you know the policy measures taken by the government as well as from the banking system in terms of providing mc uh, covid lines uh, the emergency credit line uh, guarantee scheme uh, of 3 lakh crore of which almost 2.4 in uh, sanctioned by the banks is uh, uh, is also something which provided the much support in in a time where things seemed fairly uncertain and with the uh with the uh, business uh, uh normalizing at a fairly fast pace this liquidity uh, uh helpful in terms of their uh, uh, credit profiles all of this is the thing which uh, has translated into the credit ratio the upgrades to downgrades ratio second half uh scaling up to 1.33 times in the second half mr bemuri uh, in your presentation you mentioned that you know of the 42 sectors studied uh, you classified them into pre resilience buckets you know high high resilience sectors moderately resilient and low resilience could you talk to us about that which which, which are these high moderate and low resilience sectors and uh, what are the risks that you see associated with uh, low resilience sectors so we had developed this framework of uh, trying to look at sectoral resilience way back in april 2020 at the onset of the pandemic we we revised it in october 2020 and then again uh, have relooked at it uh, recently uh, while publishing this report the resilience is an aspect which looks at uh, how uh, demand for the the product or the service 
is that is that elastic is that inelastic happening to the broader is it a, is an essential commodity or is it is it discretionary in nature so that is one of the aspects that we look at it uh, you know um, what is the regulatory support which is available to those uh, sectors is uh, again uh, something which which was a fact and the third is in terms of the balance sheet strength of these companies yes probably uh, you know there could be uh, uh, cash flows uh, in terms of sales in terms of uh, profitability etc for a temporary period give an example but, of of or, you know uh, i i'm coming to that i'm coming to that okay yeah so i'm coming to that so a uh, balance sheet component that that we had uh, considered so if i uh, focus on say uh, high resilience we take the examples of say pharmaceuticals or it or telecom or fmcg these are are uh, pharmaceuticals uh, fmcg are in the nature of essential Uh, we did not see much of a, uh, an impact in terms of uh, uh, disruption to their to their uh, uh, sales etc telecom working from home uh, actually yes. saw an uh, improvement in in terms of uh, the, the usage which was there uh, it was uh, fairly uh, uh, least impacted uh, uh, in those sectors these were sectors which which were part of the uh, high resilience there are many more i mean we can we can look at agrochemicals specialty chemicals fertilizers which was more linked to uh, rural side of the economy where again uh, was not much so these are the sectors which are uh, part of the high resilience uh, kind of uh, uh, category okay when we look at this category uh, you know we have uh, companies which are uh, uh, you know auto the passenger vehicles auto components steel uh, we have uh, uh, edible oil hospitals the construction sector sectors which we have uh, categorized uh, under uh, uh, you know medium resilience kind of uh, sector sectors are the ones which would which would probably be the ones which will be uh, uh, you know uh, very well these include sectors such as airlines hotels and resorts residential real estate uh, jewelry auto dealers these are the sectors which which would be amongst the ones which will be uh, maximum impacted uh, and is the least resilience uh, uh, uh to, to remember uh, when you, when you say uh, um, automobile in the low resilience categories and you say that uh, you know um, uh, uh, automotive is a sector where we've had how does this tally uh, isn't the recovery of uh, a sector like automotive dependent on the health of auto dealers at the end of the day to the kind of uh, uh, consolidated nature of your uh, auto and the significant balance sheet strength that these people have auto dealers typically uh, do not have as much of a you know balance sheet strength so to speak so uh, to that extent uh, you, you know these are uh, players who would be far more vulnerable whenever there is a disruption uh, which comes in um, uh, if the sales uh, uh, velocity kind of uh, is is something which which uh, Uh, gets impacted i think the inventory pile up will happen and they will have uh, struggles in terms of uh, being able to service the debt on time because typically their balance sheets uh, uh, do not have the cushions in terms of either uh, liquidity or or leverage levels also tend to be on the higher side that said yes uh, uh, you know they, they the 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 past normalization that i talked about which happened uh, which which was also seen in the auto has percolated down to the auto dealers uh, as well that is why when we looked at uh, this sector it is a sector where uh, from a from a sales perspective we see that you know these these uh, this is a sector which is probably fully recovered the q4 uh, by 21 we expect that uh, will be uh, either 100% or more than what we have seen in q4 fiscal 
as far as auto dealers is concerned. But uh, what I also want to highlight and why we have still categorized it under low resilience category is that if there were to be uh, a second wave or a third wave or containment measures a little bit severe, this is a more vulnerable sector. Whereas the auto OEMs, yes, they, they also have impact on their cash flows, but they have much more resilience in terms of stronger balance sheets, liquidity cushions, which are there, which, which will, you know, they will be able to uh, still see through this temporary phase of uh, cash flow disruption, but the auto dealers probably will be able to withstand it beyond uh, a very, very short period of time. That's why they continue to remain in the low resilience category. Another key takeaway was the credit growth um, uh, in FY22 uh, compared to a collapse uh, in growth uh, uh, in the first half of the claims the credit growth to about four five percent growth that you have uh, shown. Clearly, if you look at uh, FY21, it was a tale of two halves uh, when we look at a credit a credit, growth, credit growth perspective. Uh, the first half was actually uh, seeing a decline of about uh, one one odd percent the overall uh, banking system credit. One, uh, there was a, a very severe impact on, in terms of the, due to lockdowns and uh, uh, bankers also turned very cautious uh, and, uh, you know, uh, them uh, not, not uh, opening up their posting uh, so much. Uh, but one, normalizing, uh, plus we have seen support from the policy makers in terms of the team uh, the, the emergency COVID lines that the, the, the bank started offering. Once they started seeing the unlocked measures um, uh, and, and started seeing the cash flows, they were, you know, uh, also comfortable, uh, you know, pushing credit into the system. And uh, from a negative 1% in the first half, we are actually going to see the full year end at about uh, 5 odd percent. Coming to the next year, uh, you know, uh, we are uh, expecting about 9 to 10% kind of a level. Uh, two, three aspects. The retail credit, which has uh, historically been around kind of uh, number for the banking system is likely to revert back to mid-teens compared to, you know, seven to, uh, you know, mid-teens kind of a uh, credit growth given the uh, underlying momentum, be it auto loans, be it uh, um, uh, home loans, uh, you know, we, we, we do see a good amount of traction there, especially the interest rates of the uh, stamp duty concessions, etc., which are uh, uh, you know, this is the board for uh, uh, affordability of uh, uh, some of these uh, products and, and it is likely to revert back to mid-teens. The, the corporate credit uh, segment is something which uh, given given that, uh, you know, if you see a real GDP growth of 11% on top of it, add maybe 4 to 5% kind of an inflation, uh, you are seeing a nominal GDP growth of, uh, you know, 15 odd percent. So when, when things normalize, sales uh, uh, pick up and uh, show a good amount of traction, there will be a natural uh, working capital requirement and a demand for working capital loans, which will be there. Uh, plus, uh, you know, given the PLI uh, schemes, the production linked incentive schemes that the government of India has announced, maybe also anticipate, maybe not in the first half of the year, but maybe towards the second half, uh, some element of, uh, capex uh, uh, from 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 the corporate side, and third is the the the, the push on the infrastructure side, which which is uh, coming in from the government, is also likely to result in uh, uh, credit. Uh, obviously, infrastructure sector uh, to to build the assets, uh, you know, you will need uh, uh, debt uh, support from the banking system, and uh, when we look at it from the government's perspective, also infra 
and intra spend is one of the uh, biggest focus areas uh, uh, for for this fiscal so that is also going to uh, play a fairly supportive role in in terms terms of uh, credit growth uh, so um, these are the two uh, uh, largest components which where we see a good amount of buoyancy agri is something which we believe will 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 also continue to sustain uh, on the basis of an expectation of a uh, good good kind of a monsoon but, but again as you pointed out uh, in the presentation uh, that you know we've had two fantastic years in terms of monsoons and a third good monsoon uh, is you know is somewhat unlikely so uh, that perhaps could uh, throw a spanner in the works possible difficult to call at this juncture and uh, most of the uh, analysts and uh, uh, practitioners uh, uh, pencil in uh, a normal monsoon when we when we start the year and and uh, that that becomes one of the monitorables uh, uh, in terms of uh, what what is the extent of monsoon the spread of monsoon uh, uh, because this because clearly a large part of the rural economy depends on uh, 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 monsoons uh, so it is something which i would say is has has a, a little bit of a downside but our our base case assumption is that we are factoring in a normal kind of a monsoon okay uh, deteriorating asset quality and rising nps uh, have been a huge uh, concern uh, in india in the last few years what is the npa trajectory looking like uh, in your assessment so uh, clearly uh, we, uh, couple of aspects have uh, provided a good amount of cushion in fiscal 2021 one is uh, you had a loan moratorium for the, for almost 6 uh, months uh, uh, which which has uh, benefited at, at at the peak of the lockdown and when when uh, corporates were really struggling to adjust to uh, this this whole uh, uh, new new normal uh, i think they got a relief from uh, uh, loan repayments and that that uh, clearly Uh, helped uh, avoid slippages uh, into the uh, NPA category. Then the one-time re- debt restructuring. While one-time debt restructuring was not such a uh, big uh, aspect, I mean, we, our expectation is that only about two to three percent of the overall uh, banking system would probably be restructured under the OTR uh, one-time debt restructuring scheme. Uh, but uh, the, the the emergency credit lines, which also have uh, come in from from the banks uh, also supported by the uh, emergency credit guarantee scheme from the government all of these have ensured that uh, there was a good amount of relief and liquidity support which is provided to the corporates uh, helping them manage the liquidity situation and helping them uh, avoid slipping into uh, npas uh, e- nevertheless i think uh, once the moratorium has ended once the, the this whole uh situation is normalizing uh, there is still a tail uh in terms of especially in the msme and the retail uh, side where you know there have been job losses and the very small businesses are are probably uh mm-hmm. not not fully uh, uh back to normal so there is a tail risk which is still left which is why we expect uh, uh an increase in the nps uh from about uh, uh you know uh, 7% uh, by december 2020 which was the reported number banks mm-hmm. have also been uh, reporting a pro forma number if uh, they were not to consider the supreme court uh, uh, dispensation which was there in npa standstill so that that delta was about 1% so 7% 8% would have been the numbers if supreme court uh, uh, npa standstill were not to be there 8% was the number uh, as of december so we expect this number 
to actually inch up uh, 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 a little bit uh, uh, by the end of uh, 22 uh, so you project about 10 and a half to 11% uh, that's the gross npa by uh, no I, I i was intrigued that you you called it uh, you called the rise and you, you said that it's likely to be a benign uh, growth of of gnps why why do you say that why do why do you call it benign yeah so uh, i think uh, why why we are calling it benign is when we look at it historically right uh, we had uh, a reported npa number and we had uh, a lot of fancy acronyms uh, cdr s4a sdr uh, and various uh, forms of uh, restructuring uh, which were there so while the npa the peak of the npa was about 11.2% but but uh, you know you you still had on top of that a lot of uh, uh, stressed assets which were not recognized in npa but were in the in, in a variety of these names but over the last 3 to 4 years uh, you know if i leave alone the covid uh, year but just prior to that what we have seen is banks have pushed quite a lot in terms of uh, trying to resolve the stressed assets uh, uh through both the ibc route as well as uh, through the nclt uh, as well as uh, outside of the nclt uh through resol- uh, putting it together resolution plans uh, etc that has actually uh, resulted in uh, a completely different paradigm where today i mean what you see in terms of nps is probably what you get i mean the the the, the unrecognized uh, stressed assets book Uh, which was there where uh, you know there was a lot of restructuring which was uh, done uh, is not uh, a material kind of a number uh, we have seen that uh, we, you know a lot of the erstwhile stress assets have moved into uh, you know stronger companies stronger balance sheets plus uh, the the healthier part of the of of the uh, corporates have actually not opened their purse strings and have not invested significantly which has meant that uh, their their uh, balance sheets have strengthened uh, their leverage levels are uh, at a fairly decent uh, level compared to what it used to be in the past so from a overall health perspective i think uh, when we were entering into the pandemic i think we were in a in a much better shape compared to what we were uh, you know in the last 4 to 5 years so while pandemic probably has added maybe 2 to 3% of uh, additional restructured assets from which also we expect some degree of slippages that's the reason why we are still calling this kind of an you know increase still uh, uh, more benign and it is coming from a diversified uh, set rather than a concentrated uh, kind of a, a, a universe it is likely to come from the retail and the uh, msme kind of uh, segments okay um mr vegori how much of the uh, pick up in demand or the uh, the resurgence in demand do you attribute to uh, you know rbi's easy money policies Uh, given that uh, you know the interest rates are fairly low and there would be some pressure on the rbi to hike interest rates uh, in the near future do you think that could decelerate uh, some of the demand that we are seeing so two things so, i would want to highlight one is you know what are the really the rate sensitives i mean maybe autos uh, to some extent you could call it uh, maybe housing loans but mm-hmm. what we have traditionally also seen is that uh, uh, you know uh, it, it it is more about the affordability uh, of of the of the overall uh, you know ho- houses that people are paying which depends on what is the price and what is the what is their salary and what is the salary expectation interest rate plays a 
a role but not a very very uh, probably a significant role so yes it impacts uh, probably these two segments to some extent but most of the other uh, segments uh, you know it is it is more about clarity in terms of uh, uh, demand uh, sustenance of demand which is what is more important uh, uh, is what historically we have seen rather than a 50 or 100 basis points uh, change in interest rate that might not necessarily uh make as much of a difference when when people are trying to put in uh, capex or make some investments for a fairly longish period of time because yes it is more cyclical in nature interest rates will go up and will go down but if if there is clarity in terms of uh, uh demand sustain sustainability which is there uh i think i think that will probably uh, come in uh, far much more plus i think you are seeing the government uh, uh, you know yes there is a there is a slippage on the fiscal deficit uh, from their part but uh, they are also trying to uh, push a lot on the on the infrastructure uh, side which is also going to have an obvious uh, impact in terms of the growth for the overall uh, economy and the 11% growth that we have baked in on the economy is on a very low base i mean even okay. after uh, uh 11% growth which we are penciling in for fiscal 2022 uh we would probably still reach you know uh, the 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 uh, 2020 levels only by middle of uh, fiscal uh, uh 2022 and and barely about 3 to 4% higher than what we were in fiscal 20 uh mm-hmm. that's what actually it represents in terms of the overall absolute size of the economy so it it it, it, it looks optically very high uh, given that we are seeing an 8% contraction but in reality it is probably maybe uh, 2 to 3% higher than what we would we would have seen in fiscal uh, 2020 thanks a lot mr memory for joining us on the business line podcast uh, see you soon uh, on another podcast thanks vivek thank you